Own Your Creativity, Episode 40. No joke, I kid you not. I have a, a statue of David that is right next to me because I have to remind myself every single day, if you work hard and you put in 10,000 hours, you could start making something creative and something beautiful. And You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. I'm an author, professor, and podcaster, and I help people tell their story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm really excited today because I'm talking to Rob Dial. He started in sales at the age of 19 and was promoted to run a franchise within the company at age 21, and it grew to a multi-million dollar business. It broke almost every record for a new office in the company, uh, in the company's 60-year history. He has since moved on to coaching that runs alongside his podcast, as well as an e-commerce business. Rob then started a second seven-figure business at age 23. He also runs MWF Motivation Podcast, which hit number one in six categories on new and noteworthy, including self-help and business. Rob is now focusing on growing the podcast to 1 million downloads per month, awesome, (laughs) to impact as many people as possible to find out what their purpose in life is and make it their mission to follow their purpose and live to their true potential. Welcome, Rob. Thank you for having me. Well, it's really great to have you on the show, and I just think that it's amazing that you are aiming to have 1 million downloads every month. I think that most people would be happy to have 1 million a year, (laughs) (laughs) but 1 million a month. Also, that's so great. So can you share a little bit more about what you do and why you started the podcast and and how you're helping people? Sure. So... I uh, I started the podcast. It was let me think. Uh, it was last August, so August 2015. And in uh, my only goal, so when I when I was 19 years old, I started in a sales company and got into personal growth and realized what it really did for me and changing my life. I had a, a troubled childhood, and you know my parents got divorced when I was nine or when I was nine because of the fact that my father was an alcoholic. He passed away when I was 15 from alcoholism, and so I had a lot of grew up really poor, all of those things. I had a lot of troubles in my head and we couldn't afford any type of therapy or anything like that. And I found personal growth as my way to be my own personal therapist in a way and, and realize that whole if I actually take control and and read these things, I can really change my mindset and change my life in the process. And, uh, and what I found was once you do that, money starts to kind of flow in after that. It's very easy. And so... Um, you know, that was the thing that I loved the most about when I was with the company and opened up my first office. And, you know, that was my first million dollars in sales was through them and got out of it and uh, really missed that teaching aspect of it. And I realized that once you get out into the corporate world and start meeting those types of people, there's no personal growth, very, very little, maybe 1% of people are into it. And so I decided to start the podcast because I wanted to try to positively affect people and at least open their their mind up to the fact that, oh, if I I can actually improve myself every single day, and uh, and that's the reason why I started the podcast. And I think that my my passion kind of comes out uh, very much in my episodes, and they're very short. They're about ten to fifteen minutes, so they're they're very easy to be digested and you know a ride to work or something. So uh, that's what kind of made it grow as fast as it did. And uh, f- you know, a million downloads in the first year was my goal, and that's what we hit. And now 
like you said, we're trying to get to a million a month, um, which should be 12 million a year, which is a crazy number. I'd have to pretty much 10x what I'm doing now. So, uh, so that's the that's what I'm working every single day towards is is my coaching, and then on top of that, growing my podcast. So you started working when you were 19, and were you going to school at the same time, or you were just working full time? Yeah, I was working about 80 hours a week while I was still taking 15 credit hours in school. Oh. Uh, so I was I was sleeping very little. <laughs> in other words, wow, how did you manage? Uh, just passion and drive. I, I was able to find out. I, I always wanted to. I always felt that I had something really special inside of me, but never found any sort of way to get it out. I always worked stupid jobs. Like, you know, I was in high school. I worked at PetSmart for two and a half years as a, my, my title was a bird and fish specialist. And, <laughs> uh, and then I was a, a waiter. I worked as a busser. I delivered pizzas. I did all of these different things. And I was, I was just so frustrated because there was never an outlet for me to feel like I could pull greatness out of myself. And once I found that outlet, it was addicting. And I was okay with working as much as I, you know, 80 hours a week while still going to school and all of those types of things. But um, what it came down to was eventually at 21 years old, I uh, ended up dropping out of school just because of the fact that it was useless in my personal opinion for what I was doing. Um, when I was, you know, running a company that was an office at that time, I was the sales manager of uh, an office that ran pretty much all of Florida. And uh, we were doing millions of dollars in sales and I was 21 years old and I went into a class that was, <laughs> that was my, my final straw was when I went into a class and I had to cheat on a test because I didn't have enough time to study for the test. And I was cheating in my history of civil war class for all of these dates in these different battles that I didn't give anything, any craps <laughs> about. And I was like, I, I can't do this. Like I'm, I'm literally making more money than I would if I got a degree and graduated and I'm getting more fulfillment from doing it. And I talked to my mom who, you know, I was paying for my own college and all that stuff. And I was like, I just don't see the reason for being in college anymore. And she's like, I completely agree with you. And, and at that point in time, I dropped out and never went, never looked back or anything. You know, it's really interesting that you made that decision to pursue your your career instead mm -hmm. of going to university because I think a lot of times people just by default, okay, I finished high school, now the next thing is going to university and they don't even really mm -hmm. think about it necessarily, is this the right decision for me? And it almost seems like you can't not go to university and so I think it took real courage for you to choose that path. Yeah, I mean, the only reason to really go to college and get a degree is to try to get a good job. And I already had a good job that was making, you know, I was making more than two times what I would if I would graduate and go to a school and, you know, graduate school and then go into a normal job anyways. And so I was just like, this is, I got lucky in a sense where I just had the foresight to see that because I was also the exact same time that the, the housing industry crashed and I lived in Florida at the time. And um, you know, it was honestly the best thing that could have happened to me was dropping out and, and running my own business with a company. So what's your definition of creativity? That, it's actually an interesting question. I have a, a friend who is a filmmaker and, uh, we met for the first time a couple weeks ago. We have a bunch of mutual friends and we finally met. He's actually coming over to my house in two hours because we're going to be making, we're planning on different things that we're making for short films for Facebook and stuff. But we were talking about it, and I've always wanted to be a musician, and I am a musician. I have a band. We play, um, we're playing this upcoming Saturday, and I always felt like I had to get my creativity out through music, or like I liked, I'm not really great at painting, but I thought it was fun to paint. And then one thing that I realized is that my podcasting is actually my greatest 
feeling of creativity coming out of me. So I think that creativity is not just like being an artist or being a musician or doing something like that. Like that's, that is creative. Sure. Uh, but I think that there's also a lot of creativity in being a great marketer. There's a creativity that's being, I think anybody that, that, that creates content that people enjoy or that connects people is some form of creativity. Was there ever a time in your life where you felt you were disconnected from some kind of creativity and did it have some you know, negative effects on you? Yeah, um, I'm actually very, very musical. Like I'm obsessed with music. Anybody will tell you if, if anybody has a musical question, <laughs> any friends or they need someone to make a playlist for like my friend's wedding that was just happening and we had to make a playlist for his DJ, like they'll come to me for it. And uh, when I was working, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week, I stopped playing guitar. I stopped singing. I stopped doing those things. And I felt a really big void where I was happy because I was, you know, impacting people's lives and I was making good money and I was working hard, but there was some void and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then after I left that company and slowed down a little bit, um, and by slowed down, I mean like 65 hours a week, <laughs> uh, and found out that I still had some extra time and I started taking guitar lessons again and picking it back up. Um, that's when I really felt like there was a part of me that, that felt like it was, I missed it for about five years and it was finally back. Oh my goodness. And so it was that the moment when you realized that you couldn't let it go by the wayside again? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Like I, I, uh, I'm very much a firm believer in hiring coaches and mentors. I hired my first, uh, mentor coaching mentor. I, when I was 19 years old, I paid $500 a month to have somebody be my, it was more than I paid in rent to be my actual mentor. And so I'm very big on having specific mentors for what you want. I have, <laughs> believe it or not, I have a guitar coach right now. I have a vocal coach. And then I also have a, there's a, a program called Ableton, which is a recording software on the computer. Uh, I also have an Ableton coach as well. So I have three coaches in that. And I'm also, one of my friends is moving out of town and she needs to store her baby grand piano. And I have a house that's, I have a room that's big enough and open enough to put it there. And so I'm going to start taking piano lessons as well. So uh, there is, I always have to be playing music at some point in time. I can't work out without music. I can't drive without music. It always has to be in the background whenever I'm working. And, um, and so, yeah, that was the point in time where I was like, this music thing, I really can't let it slip out of my hands again and not, not be into it again for the rest of my life. So do you think that when you are plugged into your music that you make better business decisions? Um, I've never thought about it that way, but honestly, yeah, I think, I think probably because there's a part of your brain. I mean, I think it's just, you know, starting a different part of your brain up and, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and sometimes I'll just journal and sometimes I'll do songwriting where I just like, you know what, I'm going to listen to a song, try to get some ideas and just put lyrics down and what I notice is that if I do something creative in the morning, if I read and journal or if I do songwriting or if I start playing my guitar, I think that that starts a part of your brain up in the morning, which you then carry on with you throughout the rest of the day. And I feel like my decisions are probably more creative if I do that in the morning. I've never connected those two, but that, that's literally how I spend my mornings. Wow, that's really cool. So what's the best advice that you've ever received in terms of your business or creative success? <laughs> Um, the, my, uh, my old mentor, the two, th I'll, I'll tell you two things. One of them was, was, uh, when I was 19, I first started with him. I was not really, 
uh, accountable because I was 19. You know, I was, <laughs> I was I was more into partying and having fun and doing those things. But there was a point where he was like, you know what? You're not holding yourself accountable. You're showing up late to calls. You're not getting your assignments done. You're not doing all these things. And one thing he said to me that really stuck with me is he said, if a business fails, whose fault is it? And I was like, what do you what do you mean? It's the owner's fault. And he goes, yeah, but if it's a big business, whose fault is it? And I was like, oh, it's the, the CEO's fault. He said, yeah, of course. He goes, if your life is not what you want it to be, if your life feels like it's failing, whose fault is it? And I was like, uh, is it my fault? And he goes, yeah. You, and the problem was I was making a lot of excuses why I was late, why I was not hitting assignments. And, you know, all people love to make excuses of why they're not where they are. The government, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton and Trump and all of these people in the economy and all of these things are not where they are. But in reality, they need to, what he said to me was you need to treat your life like you're the CEO of your life. If your life is failing, it is nobody else's fault. If a business fails, they can't blame it on anybody else. It is the CEO's fault and nobody else's. If the business succeeds, it is also the CEO's fault. Mm-hmm. So if your life is failing, it's your fault. But if you succeed, that is also your fault. And that's the type of control you have to take over your life where there are no more excuses ever again. And so that was really life-changing for me and made me really button up what I was doing. And at that point in time, it was really when my coaching started taking off with him. And the other thing they told me was hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm. And I, I live my life by that where it's just like I might not be the most talented person in the room. But I know that if I'm driven for it, there's not one person that's going to beat me in any sort of way because I'm going to outwork every single person that I possibly can. And so hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard was the other one with him. Hmm. And is that one of your personal habits that contributes to your success or do you have something else that you can share with us? Oh, no, I'm, it's, it's 100% just I figure out who, who is the best in the industry of whatever it is that I'm doing. I try to model them exactly, but then I try to work as hard as I possibly can whenever I do figure out what they're doing. And that's it. You know, mm. I think that most of the time people are just lazy and, <laughs> uh, and people love to say, oh yeah, but I procrastinate. I'm, but I'm not just a lazy person. I can't help it. I wish I wasn't. And it's my personal opinion is that that is being lazy is a natural human state. We are all lazy. That's nobody's just born not lazy. Cause if you think about it, if it's, 10, 20, 30,000 years ago when, you know, cavemen are walking around. I live in Austin, Texas. It's like 100 degrees outside right now. Mm-hmm. What, would, what would we be doing? We'd be sitting in the shade because it's too <laughs> freaking hot to do anything. We'd wake up early in the morning. We'd forage and go hunting in the morning. Then we'd do the exact same thing as the sun's setting. And that's what we would do. So I think that we have a natural state where we are lazy. You know, most of the time, I'd rather be sitting on my couch watching football but uh, I force myself not to do that because I want something great out of my life instead of just looking back when I'm 85 and being like, man, you know what? I wish I would have done something else. I wish I would have put more time into it. So I constantly drive myself to work harder um, just because I know that you know if you put the work in and it's the right work, eventually some success has to start coming. So earlier you had mentioned that um, at at 19 that you realized that personal development was the key for you. But what do you think it was about your personality that cottoned on to that? Because I think a lot of people know about, you know, uh, personal development and probably Mm -hmm. are exposed to a lot of different ways of of, uh, approaching that, but they don't follow through on it. So what do you think 
was different about you that that you did follow through with such a passion? Um, I think that I'm I'm very much like a sponge. I try to learn from everybody. I'm very humble. I don't sit in a room and think that I'm the smartest person in the room. And I think it comes from playing sports when I was a kid. I was obsessed with sports. Uh, that was kind of like music and, and sports were like my solace when I was a kid. That's what I went to when everything was bad at home. I could always go to sports and I could always go to that. But in sports, you, ha- you have a coach. You have someone who has to teach you how to do this stuff so you can improve. And when you're a kid, you look up to this older guy and he teaches you how to dribble a basketball better. He teaches you how to pass better, certain plays that you have to run. And then, you know, when I was taking guitar lessons or had friends whose dads were better, and I was watching them, I would sit there and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. Or I wouldn't do that in basketball. It was never that way. It was always just, okay, you know what I can do? And this is why coaching was just a no brainer for me for hiring a, a coach when I was younger was because I, I want to be successful as quick as possible. And the only way to do that is to become a sponge and learn as much as possible from the people who have already done what you want to do. And so what I would do is I would just buy books that had to do with already what I wanted to do because these people have 10, 15, 20, 30 years of experience in exactly what it is that I want to learn. So instead of me doing trial and error, why don't I just read or watch a video on YouTube or try to learn from them uh, just by listening or reading all of those things versus trying to figure it out myself and failing more often. Cool. You know, I teach at the university here. It's a course um, called mm-hmm. self, Self-Management self Strategies, and it's for people who have failed their program, and then they need to take that course in order to uh, be able to continue with, with huh. their university. And uh, I've, I've been teaching it for seven years, and and a lot of people come into it with a really negative mindset and feel that it's being done to them you know like they they failed out of their program and and now this is a punishment (laughs) you know and um and a lot of them just don't know um you know what program they really want to be in or um you know how to how to get motivated or how to find something interesting in their classes, you know, so there's a, there's a yeah. whole range of, you know, reasons why, um, why they failed. And, it, and usually, um, it's hard for them to admit that it had something to do with the decisions that they made. If mm-hmm. you, if you were speaking to them, what would you, what would you say? What kind of advice would you give them? Honestly, the first thing I would say is the CEO thing, because that's, that's yeah. the truth of it. Most people don't think that way. Um, but, the only most people this is how they live the life this is the way i like to explain it most people don't realize that your life is like a ship right your ship is going and most people just kind of sit in the passenger side and they just let the just go with the tide and they let things happen to them and you know it just goes the way that it's supposed to go that what they feel quote unquote is fate or what whatever's supposed to happen and they just kind of sit in the passenger seat and just let it go um not realizing that you could stand up and you can walk over to the driver's wheel and you can be in control of it. And most people don't stand up and actually take control of a life and go into the driver's seat. And most people have no idea where their destination is either. Mm -hmm. And so another perfect example of that that I always use is most people have just been driving a car around the city for their entire life and they're going nowhere and they're never going to go anywhere and they have no clue where the heck they're going is. But... If you get in a car and you put in the GPS, the exact address you want to go, that GPS will start to figure out how to get you from where you are to where you need to go. 
And so when you sit down and you make a life plan, you say, what do the, I just had a, an episode come out. I think it was two days ago. Um, yeah, it was two days ago on Monday called, what do you want? Um, actually, no, it's today's episode. It's called, what do you want? And it's, it's literally just the question of what do you want? Most people don't sit down and say, okay, let me get a pen and a paper and ask myself, what do I want in my life? What do I want in my finances? What do I want in my relationships? What do I want in my family? What do I want in my health? What do I want in my business, my career, all of these things? And when you start asking yourself these questions, you start going, oh, I've never made any, nobody has any clarity on exactly what it is that they want and you can't hit a target that you can't see. So people are just aimlessly wandering around like zombies in their life with no destination and no idea what the destination is that they're going to go to. And then they're, they're mad that the fact that they're not getting what they want in their life. Well, they don't even know what they want in their life, so of course they're not getting it. So I always say, you know, for those types of people where it's like you have to be the CEO of your life, you have to sit down with a pen and paper, not with your computer, mm-hmm. a pen and paper, and you have to write down, what do I want in my life? What do I want in all of these different categories, these different buckets? And then once you get all of these planned out, what you say is, how do I get them? And then you just start working backwards and you make a plan. And that's the exact way a GPS works. It figures out where you are. It figures out where you want to go. And then it works backwards and give you the directions exactly where you need to go. And that's kind of how you use your GPS of your life is to figure out where you want to go and then how to get there. Cool. So is there a person in your life, um, and they could be living or, or not, who inspires you to be creative? Hmm. There's a lot of people inspiring me me to be creative. Um, you know who who really inspires me? And I just got back from Italy. I was in Italy for two and a half weeks. Is uh, Michelangelo? Or the people in Italy would be pissed if I said that. Michelangelo is how they like to say it. <laughs> but it's crazy because I. One of the reasons why I personally think. Um, that for most people, school fails them. Not all of them, but a lot of people. I think it, that it failed me, and it fails a lot of people as well. Is because their brains aren't really built the way that school. You know, there's always mm-hmm. kids that are really good in school. Um, I was pretty good in school, but I didn't like studying, and I didn't like studying for stuff that I didn't have anything to do with my path. Now, what I love about about Michelangelo was the fact that. In, in all of, of Florence and Renaissance artists that came out of Florence was that when they were young, if they were interested in art, they would put them into an apprenticeship and they would find an artist who was really, really good and they would come up and they would work for them and learn how to paint. And that person would say, okay, I need a background. I'll paint the main subjects and you guys do the background and they'd start doing it. Say, no, 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 you got to do this. You got to do this. And they would actually teach them how to do it. So this is literally having an amazing coach every single step of the way. And they would show them how to do this until they started getting really good. And then you go over and you see all of the stuff that Michelangelo did in his lifetime. And it's insane. Like the fact that he finished, I don't know if you've ever seen a statue of David in person. I've seen it three times. And every single time I see it, I have to sit for like an hour and look at it because in a picture, it's like, oh yeah, it's just a statue of a naked guy. But when you see it in person, <laughs> it's really like, Wow, this is the most perfect statue I will ever see in my life. Like the 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 veins that you can see in his forearm and the one that runs up into his neck. Like it's just crazy to see. Yeah. And he did that at 29 years old. Like that's that means that I would have already created that. Yeah. If I if, and I look at him like, "Oh man, this guy's 29." And then I I realized he lived until like 88 or 89, I think it was. And he just kept doing these things and kept doing these things. He did the top of the uh uh, St. Peter's Basilica for free. And it's just like the stuff that he does and that shows you hundreds of years ago 
that somebody like this did this. And what I think is we're actually going backwards in a lot of cases with our creativity. And that, that kind of drives me crazy because I think that people have, if you could see someone like Michelangelo and go, wow, that's human potential mm-hmm. actualized. And then I see that every single, I no joke, I kid you not, I have a, a statue of David that is right next to me because I have to remind myself every single day, if you work hard and you put in 10,000 hours, you could start making something creative and something beautiful. And so, uh, so he's super, super uh, inspirational to me. I agree. I had seen an exhibit in Toronto of his work and I just was blown away. Um, and his work ethic too was pretty yeah. amazing because, you know, for a lot of those, uh, statues that he made, he would, he would just draw like, you know, dozens of, of little drafts, you know, on the nose or the, mm-hmm. the, the shoulder, you know, and so he was painstaking and he, he kept at it until he got exactly the, the, you know, the look that he wanted in, in that part. And right. yeah, it was so inspiring. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is actually his and it says, cause people are always like, man, I, I hate the word talent because I think that talent takes away from somebody's hard work that they put into actually acquiring a skill. It's not talent. It's a skill is what it is. And that takes time to put in. You're not just born Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, the quote is, if people knew how hard I worked on my mastery, it wouldn't seem so beautiful at all. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, something else that I was reminded of as you were speaking was Marcus Buckingham. He's a um, a trombone player with um, a London orchestra, I think. And uh, he's got some YouTube videos, but he talks about how people don't play to their strengths. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and that, you know, in school, if you have three A's and one F, everybody puts an inordinate amount of attention on that F and say, okay, so you've got to go and, you know, get extra tutoring and extra classes instead of, you know, focusing on, oh my goodness, look at this A, we need to give you more of that, you know, and this is, that's what he said about the educational system is that it's kind of backwards, you know, instead of spending so much time on things that we're, that we don't have an infinity for, you know, that we Mm -hmm. should be doing the opposite and, uh, creating the conditions for people to excel in what they're good at. Oh yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. Most people focus on all of the problems and stuff that they don't have and they focus on the negatives and they never focus on the positives. And I think that the people that are most successful actually don't pay attention to any of their flaws. What they do is they figure out the one or two things they're good at and they put 98% of their effort into just those things. Yeah. Do you, so do you have a favorite work of art Aside from the statue of David, <laughs> who um, favorite work of art as far as music goes, mm-hmm. um, I can tell you off the top of my head, it's my favorite karaoke song, which is uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, uh, I love that song, and I think it's just like a, a masterpiece of just music. There's so many different styles, and just the, the, all of the harmonies that are in it are just insane, and the fact that you know. The, the, just the the song itself is just amazing to me, and I love it as a karaoke song because it's basically like three songs in one, so I can <laughs> get my extra time up there. Because uh, I'm the type of person to do karaoke sober, like I don't have to drink to do karaoke like most people do. Um, but let me think if there's uh, if there's anything else besides. Oh, and another one that I really like is uh, Starry Night. I actually saw a um, a documentary not too long ago on Starry Night, which was uh, Vincent Van Gogh. 
and they said that they could never realize, you know, Starry Night, how it's got all these like waves and circles and all of these patterns and stuff. They never really could figure out why it always had those. And um, they just thought it was like a cool design. And then what they realized was that you, when they started st- studying turbulence in the sky and in the wind was that that's what the wind actually does in turbulence. And so there was this weird question of, was Vincent Van Gogh like able to actually see turbulence? Because that's what he drew perfectly. Like what they said was he literally drew turbulence perfectly in his painting Starry Night. So it's just kind of a uh, an inspiring thought of, was this guy, did he have, could he see something that other people couldn't? Was there a part of his brain that maybe was just a little bit more active than other people's? So, uh, so that's the other thing that kind of makes me think and inspires me in a way. Wow, that's amazing. And that gives me goosebumps, you know, just the idea yeah, of cool. that that extra vision that he had. Um, And so how can people get in touch with you or find out more about your podcast? How can people reach you? Um, So my podcast, however you're listening to me, you should be able to find it on there if you ever want to listen to it. It's MWF Motivation. Um, It just stands for Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, as people people (laughs) like to say, it's it's a no BS motivation. So I'm not the type of person that's like, hey, I believe in you. You can do it. Like it's not that type of motivation. It's I just break down life skills, things that people need to to hear to get them to be successful. Um, and then if they ever want to get a hold of me in any sort of way, it's uh, they can email me if they have any questions of things that I talked about. It's rob at mwfmotivation.com. Um, I love to get emails from people. So if you heard something, you're like, hey, I really love that. I love to get an email and, and hear from you. So other than that, that's uh, those are the two easiest ways: is through email or through looking up MWF Motivation. Wonderful. So we're just about to wrap up here. Is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with today? Yeah, I, since it's, we talk so much about creativity, I think that, you know, I'll just go back to the point of like, no, just because of the fact that you're not a musician, or you're not a singer, or you're not a painter, doesn't mean that you're not creative. There's a lot of creativity that we all have in our brains. If we just bring it out, it could be you're really creative in brainstorming with people or in marketing or, you know, coming up with visual ideas for whenever you're sitting down for ads or something like that. So um, I, I recommend that everybody figure out a way to spark their creativity if you're not, if you don't play music, it doesn't mean you can't listen to music and turn that part of your brain on and then go into a planning session. So I think there's creativity everywhere around us. And uh, if people bring it out, I think that they will be much uh, more happy throughout their day to day. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it on your social media platforms. My Twitter handle is at Writer Johnston, and Johnston has a T in it. And on Facebook, my page is the same, Writer Johnston. On next week's show, I interview Anne Douglas. She is the author of 23 books and the creator of the Mother of All book series, which has sold over half a million copies. Anne's most recent book is Parenting Through the Storm. Find help, hope, and strength when your child has psychological problems. I'll catch you next week. And until then, do something small today to own your creativity. 